Bismillah. Welcome to the Third Eye Open podcast. This is the podcast for the woke individual, the critical thinker. This is episode seven. I am Rakeen, the life coach, teacher, poet. Follow me on Instagram, save our boys with a Z at the end, and Rakeen Nyas, N-I-A-S-S. We are living in a new era, post-George Floyd era. We are in the middle of two epidemics, COVID-19 and racism, which is showing itself in one of the multiple forms, police brutality in America and institutional racism in Britain. In this episode, episode seven, the title is Dealing with Racism. So we'll be looking at racism and trying to understand uh, what is going on, where we are today, what we can learn from it and the way forward. So, dealing with racism. First of all, um, I'm going to start off with a poem on racism taken from my new book, Third Eye Open, which is available right now on Amazon. You can go to Amazon and get it right now or alatifbooks.co.uk. You can get it right now. Anyway, this is my poem that I wrote on racism. My name is racism. I live in your thoughts. My best word is division. In my philosophy, there's a hierarchy of people. We're not equal. It's true, this ain't malarkey. I make people think that white is beauty, that's my duty. So if you're white, you're snooty. If you're black, then you better stay back because you lack the whiteness of skin that the world's worshiping. My name is racism. I use the television and magazines to promote my philosophy that European features are the epitome. I make everything black seem evil. Black magic, black male, black spot examples. I'm even in your religion. I make all the prophets white. White God, white angels. In the scripture it says, and if you've seen the father, then you've seen the son. So if the son and and he's a European, then God must be one, obviously, obviously not white supremacy trying to take the top spot. The philosophy has been shipped around the world. It's not hot. Hollywood is not good. It's guilty of spreading its ideology. Bollywood follows Hollywood with no apology. Subliminally in their films, these beliefs are embedded. If you don't fit the model, then your self-esteem is shredded. Now all around the world has been infected by this illness. The Arabs and the Asians idolize the white skin. Hence, so much money spent on cream whitening. It's frightening how they have the car system. And at the bottom of it all are the untouchables who just happen to be the darkest Asians you've ever seen. Blacks have it too, dark skin against light skin. The lighter you are, the more the boys will be chirping. Who's our biggest singers? Beyonce, Rihanna and Alicia Keys. How come none of them look like dark skinned Sudanese? In schools, the youth use the term blick. It means you're so dark and black and beauty you lack. I can't believe there's so much misguidance and abuse. What happened to the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice? Magazines talking about the most beautiful women in the world. How can that be when all the women of Pell look like Cheryl Cole, but none look like India Irie, Eve or Lauren Hill? So which world are they talking about? Because it sure ain't mine which makes all black evil and all white things divine. I follow the principles of the invincible last prophet who tried to rid the world of evils, he tried to stop it. He taught no white is better than any black, no Arab is better than any non-Arab. The best of you is the most pious, 
not the one who is the most racist, prejudiced and biased. Think about it. Are you a racist? Do you have racist tendencies? Are you suffering from an inferiority complex? If so, education is needed. So that's racism taken from my new book on uh, Fairlight Open. And it, that really actually sums up a lot about what I'll be talking about, the ideas around racism. So today we are living in a post-George Floyd era. All of us witnessed for eight minutes. We witnessed George Floyd being murdered. And this sparked uprisings all around the globe. And there's many reasons for the uprising. Um, the timing was just perfect for it. And also because of the epidemic, everyone was at home, everyone saw it and everyone, you know, uh, couldn't believe what they saw and everybody around the globe was tired. Tired of the racism, the prejudice, the inequality that they've been facing every day in their lives and it just brought it all up to the forefront. So the police brutality, like for example, just reflecting on police brutality, uh, even me since the you know this George Floyd um, uprising, I've learned so much about the police brutality. First of all, in America, like it, I, I've heard about it being mentioned in so many um, rap songs, and lots of academics talk about it. But just seeing and learning more about the police brutality, how many people have been murdered by the police in America, and none of them have been charged. That is what is really scary. And also, looking in the UK, we have the same issue where we do have many people that have been killed, but they have been killed and no police have been um, gone to prison for it, which is, which is an issue. Also, we can see racism in the justice system, uh, the mental health system, um, uh, employment, also in education. So, for example, we know that in education, the highest exclusions are black boys, and then after that, it's um, black and white, like mixed race boys, like mixed with uh, Jamaican and white, or or mixed with you know African and white. These are mixed race boys. They're, they're the next group, and the, the the main issue with exclusion, as you know, there's a correlation between exclusion and prison. Um, lots of the children that are excluded go to Prus, but in Prus, it's terrible because then they start to meet other boys. Uh, and even if they weren't bad, by the time they leave the Prus, they're really bad. So this is some of the issues. Um, yeah, so this is a lot of the, the the problems that we're facing today. I grew up in the UK. I grew up in the 70s and from the 70s and the 80s, racism was much more in your face. So for example, we had the skinheads, we had the National Front, uh, which is like the BNP, but they seem to be more active, especially in West London, where I grew up. So, you know, on the walls, you would just see NF, you would see the Nazi sign, you would see, you know, nigs out, 
and you know uh, and the skinheads used to go out together groups of white males and look to attack blacks or Asians so this is what they used to do and so the racism was really in your face in those days um, later on we, we, we saw a change where the racism was still there but it became more structural and this sort of came out of the time of Stephen Lawrence. Stephen Lawrence was a, a nice middle-class black boy who was stabbed by a group of white thugs and it took his family 20 years to actually get some justice and the reason why they didn't get justice is because the police involved in the case really didn't care at the time and you know so this led to um, an inquiry uh, by the Macpherson. Then we had the Macpherson report. The Mac Macpherson report came back saying that the police force is institutionally racist. But what we found out is that it wasn't only the police force, it was all the government institutions are institutional racist. And this is leads on to the, the changing face of racism. So racism uh, is not in your face where they're going to attack you but then it's more in uh, the structures the, the way the laws are how you're treated when you go in front of uh, you know in front of the judge or how you're treated when you go for in front of the bank manager for a loan and how, how you're treated in these kind of ways you this is where you will see the institutional racism and even in it, it, even in your grades at university um, the difference between getting uh, a first and a two one or a first and a two 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 and all of these uh, institutional racism plays a part and, and even in the job market when you're going for jobs you, you will see that there's m many jobs where um, you don't have black people there and uh, it's difficult for black people to, to get into those positions because they're just used to employing their own white people on, on, and their own white colleagues and friends and it's very difficult to bring someone from outside in. So these are all of the ways where we see the racism today. Also um, in the in the UK the racism has become more of a like political football. So we can see for example um, we have newspapers like the Sun and the Mail, who are all, always focusing on immigration, always focus on negative um, stories about black and Asian people, always. And unfortunately, we uh, our politicians, they use negative language, they use racist language. Um, when they're trying to get into the power, they lean more to the right and then they you know they talk about um, uh, refugees they talk about things like swamping they give the idea that we're losing a country and this country is filled with you know people from uh, the Asian and black backgrounds and they create a fear culture and all of this fear culture that they're creating they do it just for political success but then the black and Asians are the ones that that feel the brunt of it. You know, since uh, we, we've left the EU, attacks on black and Asians have gone through the roof. Okay, and where lots of uh, racist white people 
feel that it's okay to go and attack black people and attack Asian people. And they they feel that it's fine to do it because, you know, their prime minister says racist things. So the prime minister is actually supporting them in, in what they do. You know, the prime minister calls um, Muslim women post boxes, you know, and he, he says a lot of, you know, like racist things. And so, you know, uh, why can't we? And, and the politicians also give a false... A false impression of the truth. So, for example, uh, there's been many cases where white people have gone up to uh, people of colour and said to them, you know, like, you know, you'll be leaving the country now. They have the false impression that Brexit meant that everybody that is not white is going to leave the country, which is absolutely not true. You know, we have black British born, we have Asian British born, and also we have black and Asian people who, who are professionals, who work, you know, in, in the medical fields, who work in education, you know, uh, who, who, who work in law, who work in, um, in, work in, uh, in other jobs, like in the nurses, um, in the postal service, in the bus service. And, you know, they've kind of given this view that all of these people will be leaving the country. And we have to ask the question, where are these views coming from? And then we, we, we have... Um, uh, racist individuals like Katie Hopkins and Tommy Robinson who've been given platforms who've been given platforms who've been funded so that they could spill their hate into society creating a more racist society you know you, you will read many articles now where you hear BAME individuals talking about um, the fear that they face every day when they go out the fear of being attacked and that the fear has been heightened since Brexit. These are all, you know, the kind of uh, the the climate that we're living in, the climate that we're we're, we're facing today. So when we when we reflect on this, reflecting on this, you know, um, when we think about the future. What can we do? What can we? How can we make a difference? Well, definitely, one way we can make a difference is by talking about it, having these conversations, having these painful conversations, these kind of painful conversations where a lot of white people don't want to have these conversations. But now, with the anti-racist movement, we will be having more of these kind of conversations. And uh, Rennie Edo-Lodge said in her brilliant book, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, she said, Every voice raised against racism chips away at its power. We can't afford to stay silent. This is a brilliant quote. And that says it all. And actually, it's amazing because uh, I, I would love to sort of hear what um, Rennie thinks about the current, the current climate. Because when she wrote her book, which is a brilliant book, was before you know, this George Floyd era. And I wonder you know, how she's you know, um, reflecting on everything that has happened since then because uh, everything that she put in her book is, is true and is actually more potent now. You know, it's, it's more potent, potent now. She also said in her book, we tell ourselves that racism is about moral values when instead it is about the survival strategy of the systemic power. Here, 
you know, she's, she's, she's talking about the idea that, well, we've moved away from racism as just, you know, prejudice. Okay, and, and it's more about the survival strategy of the systemic power. We need to change the structure. We need to dismantle white supremacy. But to dismantle white supremacy is going to take a massive change, a massive change in the thinking of the masses. And the reality is not everybody's going to want that change and not everybody does want that change. There are many people that are very happy with how society is right now. You know, we have, uh, you know, the rich and the poor and, you know, we have uh, a small percentage of uh, the white people who are extremely wealthy uh, and we have the majority of people that are poor. Um, we, we, we know uh, billions was made through slavery and uh, black people have never been paid a penny back. All of these are issues that, you know, that need to be talked about. You know, the system needs to be dismantled and we need to work together um, to change that system. Rennie also had a brilliant quote. If you are disgusted by what you see and if you feel the fires coursing through your veins, then it's up to you. You don't have to be the leader of a global movement or a household name. It can be as small scale as chipping away at the warped power relations in the, your workplace. It can be passing on knowledge and skills to those who wouldn't access them otherwise. It can be creative. It can be informal. It can be your job. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as you're doing something. Taken from her brilliant book, Why I No Longer Talking to White People About Race. So here, she's saying, you know, that all of us, for, 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 for true change to happen, we have to move uh, from just just talk, talking about racism to becoming anti-racist. That is working together to dismantle white supremacy and you know working together as anti-racist by supporting each other and to try to make a better society for everyone. A better society for white, for black, for Asian, for, for everybody. So this is... Um, the end of this podcast and also this is going to be the end of the series um, I hope that you enjoyed it please um, send me your comments I'd like to know and uh, soon I'll be starting um, series 2 but thank you very much for listening hope that you enjoyed it and please join me on Instagram uh, on uh, Facebook on Twitter uh, take care of yourselves and be safe